You're listening to Jack Barksdale's Roots Revival. So, ladies and gentlemen, Jack Barksdale. Hey, everybody, it's Jack Barksdale here. Welcome to another episode of Jack Barksdale's Roots Revival. Today, I'm here with Scott Nolan. I'm just really excited to do this. I actually, we, we did an interview yesterday. The audio went all funky on us. Scott's awesome, so he's having me do it again. So thank you. My pleasure. So how have you been in the last 24 hours? Uh, how have I been in the last 24 hours? Pretty good. I took a awesome. long walk, took a long walk this afternoon and awesome. uh, got my little pug here that I just fed. So she, uh, she'll now sleep probably if we're lucky through the whole uh, podcast. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, one thing that I'd like to know, I asked everyone this, but it's always a cool answer, is uh, how'd you get started in this you know, crazy business? Uh, well, I started playing guitar as a kid, maybe about six, and um, I didn't uh, do very well with music lessons. My first uh, guitar teacher um, actually fired me, <laughs> told, my, told my parents uh, that he couldn't in good conscience take their money, and that if I remember correctly, he said that I didn't, I didn't have a musical uh, inclination and uh, you know that was a funny setback to have so young but uh, I saw Elvis on TV somewhere and I was uh, I was very um, enamored by the glamour I guess you know the, the the electricity of his performance and that was it I kind of emulated that stuff and um, Elvis and Shanana and all those kind of do I don't know why the do up groups uh-huh. Yeah. I just uh, I love them. They all they look like street gangs. Yeah. <laughs> but but they'd sing. That was their you know. And I think back in the day that was really a thing. Some of these local tough crews, you know, like they'd yeah. sing on the street. I think that's so cool. So yeah. that was probably the start for me. Are there any influences that you have that you know people that you listen to like like Elvis or anything that uh, really has shaped your music today or has really stuck with you? Yeah, well, my dad, my dad played music uh, only when he drank in my house. That's the only time I remember there being music. And he listened to either 50s music or soul kind of hurting music, so to speak, you know. Uh-huh. And uh, the 50s music, uh, as I get older, it, it keeps coming back to me. And like I went and saw Brian Wilson from the Beach Boys oh, wow, per- yeah. perform and it was just it was such an exceptional thing. And um, so I, I think that, I think that kind of has had a lasting influence on me, you know, um, as I got close to my teens, I was listening to, you know, hard rock and heavy metal. Mm-hmm. Didn't really come, come to songwriters till, you know, my twenties probably. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, but so all that stuff, all of it kind of uh, influenced me. I'm sure um, the, Learning to play the kind of hard rock music as a kid meant that I had to learn to play instruments uh-huh. pretty good. And I, that was um, that was a benefit later on in that. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, and I've seen that in your playing, that oh, you're you. you're a strong guitar player. And sometimes with really great songwriters, they're not always necessarily guitar players. They strum and the guitar is a vehicle for their song. But yeah. I particularly like it when the there's a marriage of those two things, you know? Uh-huh. Yeah, me too. And in the old days, I think there was a lot of that. 
Yeah. You had you had to be pretty good to call yourself a musician, and and especially when you can get the 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 music to complement the lyrics, and the lyrics to complement the music, and that's absolutely of yeah yeah yeah. Which uh, kind of speaking of, how many instruments have you picked up over the years? Because I've seen you play, you know, harmonica, guitar, piano. Uh, I play uh, guitar, bass, drums. Um, you know, as a drummer, I used to get called a lot for kind of uh, for uh, roots and kind of R and B and 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 stuff of that nature because I wasn't. Um, I I was like, I have a a good sense of time. I was a good timekeeper, so uh-huh. I could kind of play like a drum machine. <laughs> but I wasn't I wasn't good enough to do John Bonham like fills or any of that stuff. Yeah. So uh-huh. I got a fair bit of work uh, in my 20s because of that. And then later in the studio, it became a great tool that I could go out and record drums. And mm-hmm. But um, yeah, bass was my first professional instrument. Uh-huh. Guitar, I've played the longest. And then in the last 10 to 15 years, I've, I've taught myself to play the piano. And um, it's, it's kind of, it rivals the guitar nowadays in terms of, a writing tool or or uh-huh. you know yeah so i i, I kind of trained in a sense to to be able to go into my studio and do everything ultimately with the goal of putting together great bands and trying to yeah. lead them that's awesome i've seen that lately you've been especially through the pandemic you've got into uh, collage art yeah that came came out of nowhere um uh my book of poetry i put out a, a year or two back the cover was a collage um, by a, a very celebrated Winnipeg filmmaker named Guy Madden. And then uh, prior to Guy, there was a, a Winnipeg-based collage artist named Paul Butler I really loved. And, uh-huh. uh, you know, I don't have any kind of history with, in the visual arts. But when the pandemic hit, um, my 10 or 11-year marriage ended kind of suddenly. And everything kind of happened at the same time. Uh-huh. And I just got up one day and, and started chopping up National Geographics. And I, I did it for like, I want to say 200 some odd days. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, it was kind of a, art, art's become a real, it's funny that old expression, I'm not in this for my health. I kind of actually am in it for my health. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it's, it's therapeutic and um, yeah, it's kind of kept me, uh, I'm lucky, you know. Every time something challenging seems to come my way, I have this, um, I have this outlet to put it to and, uh-huh. And in a weird way, the the satisfaction I get from that almost overrules the heartache and the sorrow. And so, you know. Also, uh, what kind of ties into that, because you just uh, mentioned it, is that uh, you started writing poetry about uh, you know, six or seven years ago. How did that uh, kind of happen? It was, it was all based out of quitting smoking cigarettes. I, uh, again, kind of like a crisis moment in life. You know, I was up against the ropes and struggling. And I was determined to, uh, my only plan was I knew I would get up the next morning and, and choose not to be a smoker. And um, I would get out and walk. So that was the only, that was the only real strategy I had in place. And that first walk, uh, a poem came to me as I walked, I, I typed it into my phone. And, uh, and then I feel like almost every day, kind of like the clauses, every day that I committed to walking, I had this, you know, moment of clarity, this uh, inspiration, and uh, yeah, it's um, 
it's become a real tool through life for me. And, and uh, uh-huh. it's interesting as I get older that um, I feel like songwriting and poems are, are considerably different. Yeah. One thing I find about poems, at least the way I write them, is they come to me fast and I try not to fool around with them the way I do with songs. With songs, I may work with and finesse, uh-huh. whereas poems, I try to keep them as close to how they came to me. And um, from poems to collage, I find they're very similar in a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's something poetic about collage without having the benefit of language, which I like. And uh-huh. um, yeah, so it all it all kind of blurs together. I've even been thinking lately about music in terms of uh, collage ethic. And I think about artists like Beck uh-huh. and artists that are kind of merging like hip hop sensibilities and drum machines and loops with uh, slide guitar and harp, you know, it's, mm-hmm. so it's, yeah, yeah it's, it's neat, you know? Yeah. I tend to, cause I've started writing poetry in like the last six months or something to kind of help me keep writing as often as I can. I tend to write them, like you said, different than I write songs, but in the opposite way where poems I really work on and put different words different places and try to figure out where it should go and songs I kind of just have them come to me yeah with poems there's uh, there's more and less structure simultaneously I mean yeah you don't have to be consumed with rhyming Mm -hmm. uh, uh, and the meter and measure all that kind of stuff changes I found for for me uh the poems that I thought were good that I wrote um they were almost always about capturing a moment um there was a, a poem in my book. I was, this daily walk I do, I got to this pedestrian bridge near the park where I go every day. And there was a man in a long dark coat pacing in circles, talking into one of those old flip, flip top phones. Mm-hmm. And he was with a woman who was several feet away wearing this black dress that it looked like it was a dress that was meant to be under another dress. Like it looked like almost like a nightgown. And she was clearly a professional dancer of some type. And she was, it was very, very windy. And she was like, she was dancing with the wind and kind of thrashing around in this almost kind of ballet. And I remember stopping at the bridge and just, just typing it in, you know? Yeah. A man in a trench coat speaks into a cell phone. A woman in black dances with the wind. Um, It just, all I really did was, I was available. I went out walking and my mind was clear and, and um, it's like fishing, I guess. I was ready yeah. for that. I was ready for that moment. Whether anybody else saw it that day, mm-hmm. I stopped what I was doing and watched it like it was a TV show, you know? And uh, yeah. so I like that about poems, well, like photography a bit, you know? Uh-huh. Now I'm not basing this on anything. Yeah. You know, the, the classical poets of the day, I, 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 you know, it's not my background really, but, but, um, yeah. And so that was kind of your, your process for writing poems. Yeah. Try to be just as, um, I had an old poet friend that passed away. That was a celebrated Canadian poet. And and he would tell me things as a young songwriter, like try to be clear with whatever it is you're choosing to say, uh-huh. try to be as clear with it as you can. And I always liked his, um, it, it was simple advice. He was never pushy about it. Uh-huh. Um, I have a song on my first record, which takes a title from one of his poems, which is, um, that's just the way the heart goes on sometimes. And I remember reading that line going, wow, that's, 
that's a really good, that's a really great line. I mean, there's yeah. there's so much to it. And um, before I knew it happened, I'd written a whole song about it. Yeah. And it it hit me as a, like a twenty year old songwriter. Wow, that's um, that's a heavy bit of poetry there. You know, uh -huh. he just in the one line said said a lot to me. And so mm -hmm. is that is that how you normally write songs? Is something catches your eye and kind of inspires you, and then it just kind of falls out in front of you? I think so. It's often pursuing a thread. Oh, okay. I can go back. Um, I find when I write about grief and loss, when it's somebody close or, or, um, or otherwise, I find those songs come out of me fast. And there's a purity of intention. And um, I think the idea of the, uh, in writing is to try to, most of the time at least, get past yourself somehow. And I find in in those songs in particular, I can do that more effectively somehow. Mm -hmm. But yeah, usually just something that nags at me and won't leave me alone. Uh -huh. <laughs> so I, yeah. I have to finish it to uh, to, to find peace. Mm -hmm. uh, do you ever listen to other music to uh, help you write? I tend to do that every now and then. You know, um, in my 40s now, I listen to a lot of music I didn't listen to before. I listen to a lot of instrumental music. Mm -hmm. uh, I've really got into classical music for the first time in my life. Uh -huh. um, and if you know the group Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds, um, uh -huh. Nick Cave and Warren Ellis, his, his um, uh, collaborator, they've been doing film scores for a decade or so. And I really got into those because... I could be out on my bike or walking and listening to these scores and still write uh -huh. because they're all instrumental yeah. and uh, uh, like ambient music. A lot of stuff, uh, the younger me probably wouldn't have saw coming. Uh -huh. Yeah. But like I've, I've discovered uh, early Brian Eno records and I think selfishly, I just want to have, um, I want to have sound around me that doesn't distract me from my own, pursuit so uh -huh. i don't listen to songwriters as much as i used to that's for sure yeah i heard that uh one of your one of your influences is tom waits which i have recently just fell in love with tom waits's music yeah he's one of the best there is yeah I, I love so many things about him um his writing has continued to get better um, some people like his early years some people like the later some people like both to me i just think that he's when you look at the evolution from the 70s till now, it's, it's so exciting and unexpected. And, mm -hmm. um, and he writes and produces with his wife. Uh -huh. I find that he's one of these where he's one of these rare examples of somebody that keeps getting better and the dramatic points of his life were as a young man, you know. So in other words, he got his act together a little bit and fell in love and, and became a, uh, a good husband and a good father. And still continued to get better and better, and uh -huh. his his music got wilder. And um, yeah, I just uh, on all those kind of accounts, I find him, uh, I find him really fascinating. And um, yeah, and Bob Dylan. I mean, at eighty or seventy nine, he he put out a record that uh, was unexpected. You know, uh -huh. so so good. Mm -hmm. uh, it yeah. gives me hope to see artists that. Um, cause I don't think it, um, yeah, I don't believe in the, you know, like losing guys like Towns Van Zandt so young, that, that was a heartbreaker to me. Yeah. I'd, I've been, I would really have been interested to see had Towns ever had a chance to, to get sober and heal. Mm -hmm. 
I'd be really interested in what he would have done, you know, Me too. because uh, I mean, what he did in, in spite of his circumstances was impressive, but yeah, you know, it's uh, always so, a, a great uh, mystery of what uh, Towns would have done. And, uh, yeah. I, and there's a lot of those guys, you know, uh, the, yeah. the, the era, the lifestyle, all that stuff. It's, um, it's hard to navigate, you know, but you look like I'm, I'm glad we had John Prine as long as we did. And, and yeah. it, you know, um, it's, yeah, it's inspiring that, 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 um, you know, cause some, some people like, I still love Neil Young. I don't know if I've heard any Neil Young songs lately that make me feel like the old ones do, mm -hmm. but, but maybe he's busy doing other things too, you know? Yeah. But yeah, Tom Tom's last record, there's songs on there that I think are as good as anything he's ever done. Yeah. And that's pretty good. Even in uh, your music, I listened to, you know, one of your first albums, and uh, it was so good at first, and it's just gotten better and better. And it's oh, thanks. so cool to watch a progression of an artist, and especially uh, for me, because I tend to listen to a lot of uh, musicians that aren't around anymore. It's always cool to have a really great musician and songwriter you know is still around and making music and is just keeps getting better as well oh that's kind of you well yeah and and i relate that to the tom waits example and that uh, when i did my first record at around 20 in the industry here um i was discouraged from producing it myself and i understand now certainly why but i never would have got to a point where i was being asked to produce other people if i hadn't have kind of uh, I have some friends that are in the tattoo business and they had to tattoo themselves first. Yeah. All the bad Mickey Mouse tattoos are on them and, and before they could ever tattoo another person. And as a young guy seeing that, I appreciated that idea. So, yeah. And I mean, I'm proud of my records in that. Um, I, I, you know, I could see where uh, a producer would have had an impact, but I still, just wasn't worth it to me somehow yeah you know like you say to be able to hear the evolution is is a neat thing and um and most of the people i like are like that i can go back and yeah and i hear that growth and uh yeah which uh kind of speaking of i've been uh, listening to your uh the last single that you put out uh, on you know spotify and itunes and called bella vista or right. bella vista bella and, vista uh, yeah and it's just a really great song. I guess this is kind of like my uh, just being a fan question is uh, how did that song kind of uh, come about? Uh, the Bella Vista is a, or was an Italian restaurant in the Wolseley neighborhood of Winnipeg. And um, mm -hmm. from, uh, what was it? From 30 to 40, I played Wednesday nights there. Mm -hmm. And it was a great kind of... Uh, um, it was a great place for me to kind of play my first songs and build an audience. There was no cover charge, no stage, uh -huh. you know, really kind of old school thing. And, um, and so that I have another song called no bourbon and bad radio, which is an album title of mine too. And, uh, both those songs, uh, pay tribute, uh, the one from the beginning of my run. And then the other tribute, I, I, I wrote Bella Vista much later, um, the owner, sold the place after i don't know 45 years and mm -hmm. 
so it's just one of those places for me that um that uh yeah i i you know kind of the glory days a little bit and uh and we have um two rivers that um, famously kind of meet not far from where the bella vista is um mm -hmm. in fact one river that comes down from uh from the southern u.s and then meets a river that comes up from Saskatchewan. And so the kind of the whole reason our city was built was where these two rivers meet. It was like a shipping route uh -huh. way back before the Panama Canal. And anyway, so just a lot of, a lot of history. And um, I have uh, almost a whole record, I think a whole record of songs I wrote and produced around Bella Vista um, and it's, much of the instrumentation was me and uh, I didn't do all of it during the lockdown, but I did a fair bit of it. And uh, so I couldn't have other musicians with me. Uh -huh. uh, Bella Vista, I was lucky I had uh, Aisha Bell on violin and singing harmony. And, mm -hmm. and I used a little Omnichord keyboard, which is like a little push button keyboard with a, a drum machine in it. And so mm -hmm. I, I recorded all the instruments. Uh, I used the Omnichord as my bed track, basically, and uh -huh. added the bass and vibraphone. And yeah, I've started buying uh, instruments that I don't often see in Roots kind of music, mm -hmm. but ones that I think would be really interesting. So I don't know if you've ever played a vibraphone. I don't think I have. It's like a giant xylophone, mm -hmm. and it has a motor with a like a these little kind of uh it's like a it's a tremolo system they got these little kind of uh little things that open and close and it turns and it creates a uh -huh. vibrato effect and you play it with mallets anyway it's it's primarily known in in jazz music but when you bring it into roots and music like ours it's so beautiful you know like yeah. it, it can sound like a, a street light turning on you know just like a blink in uh -huh. uh, one record I produced, I remember there was one song where I only used one note. <laughs> it just kind of hit one note and let it go off into this nice vibrato. And so yeah. that's pretty fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I really love all the everywhere that you go with your music, really experimenting with all sorts of cool stuff. Thanks. Also, I remember that you did a, an album, the, the last album that you released called Silver Hill with uh, the band Wooly Sugar Caps. That's right, yeah. Yeah, down and, uh, in... yeah, down in Alabama. And I got to uh, see him play in uh, Florida for that 38 uh, songwriter festival. And I was just blown away by how it's it's like a super group. Oh, yeah. I like to say when I when I first saw them, it was like a thousand years of ancient musical wisdom in one group. You know, uh, and the way their voices from from Grace into Savannah, the way their voices just kind of line up in this perfect yet unperfect way. Yeah. Uh, when I made my record with them, um, the one thing I didn't do, uh, uh, Trina Shoemaker uh, mixed both their records and uh -huh. uh, Anthony Crawford mixed the one we made. And um, I love... I love both cases, but uh, the one thing we didn't do with ours is we didn't edit it or clean it up. It was very, you know, Anthony did some overdubs, which were beautiful, but uh -huh. um, the rest of the group that you hear, as well as the singing, 
completely live, no edits or anything uh-huh. like that. And um, yeah. so fun, so fun. It was like um, Disney World for me for two days. Yeah. I, the, the, I mean, it was done and I drove all that way uh, two days. Yeah. Really amazing. Yeah, I've gotten to, I've been fortunate enough to work with uh, Anthony and Spana and uh, Will Kembro. All those guys are just so awesome. Yeah, they really are. Yeah. And uh, I also uh, know that you've uh, worked with uh, you know, Adam Carroll and Hayes Carl, which I'm also big fans of. And uh, Yeah, I love those guys. Yeah. And uh, how did you kind of get yourself into that whole circle? I was uh, in my 20s. I was doing my first kind of Canadian tours, and I met uh, – uh, fellow named Roger Marin who played pedal steel in the Fred Eaglesmith band mm-hmm. and uh, through Roger's endorsement um, I got to travel around and do some shows with them and um, Fred did Texas weekends at Green Hall Fred's a fantastic Canadian songwriter and uh-huh. I, I know many uh, if not all of the Texas guys know him and um, and you know honestly it's, it's hard it's hard for Canadian uh, it's hard for any songwriters to make it in America. America's tough. You really, you have to have a way in and you have to be, you got to be of a certain level to, to do it at all. Yeah. And uh, I always, I was always drawn to that. I liked that about America. And um, <clears throat> so I got lucky. And it was uh, when I first met Hayes, I was traveling uh, with, with uh, Roger Marin and his band. And um, um, yeah, I mean, Hayes is recording my song, Bad Liver and a Broken Heart. Uh-huh. probably one of the best things that have ever happened to me, really. I mean, it, it, yeah. it, uh, it wasn't like, uh, it made it so when I f- was going to Texas in the early days, like guys whose records I had in my record collection, when I met them, they knew me. Yeah. They'd go, oh, you know, they'd associate it with Bad Living, which, which was unbelievable to me. Yeah. And, uh, and then Adam, too, um, I'd first heard his songs being performed by Roger Marin's band, and they did these great renditions. Uh-huh. But uh, I, nothing prepared me for meeting Adam. The, the, hearing the original songs was, was so unexpected for me. Yeah. And uh, I just immediately loved his, uh, it's just something very unique and special. And that, that comment about the, um, the clarity, you know, trying to be very clear about that, Adam has that. I mean, you, you think of like, a snow cone man or rice birds some of these songs you go oh my goodness who who comes up with these perspectives and uh yeah and then i got to produce a record for him which was um you know kind of wild haphazard affair we were we were wilder guys back then and uh, yeah. we 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 just kind of did it like we not even at a at a like a we did at our friend's house, you know, in, in, uh-huh. in, in the garage. You know, we didn't go to studios or anything. And so it was pretty fun. Uh, Adam's, yeah, he's a special one. That's so awesome. Do you have any uh, advice for people who are just starting out in, uh, you know, music or uh, poetry or collage or, you know, any of those? Yeah, you know, the it's such a tricky uh uh, balance to have of, of you know building a career and kind of marketing yourself and you know to start writing songs the almost immediate desire after that is you want people to hear them it's 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 a yeah. part of the, 
the thing is a song even really a song until you start sharing it. it's kind of the yeah but uh, but at a certain point some sort of harmony has to be struck between the desire to you know to make it in a, you know commercial sense versus being a really good artist and so it's tricky i, I would say um any advice i would have would be uh, in that in that idea, like um, make sure there's something compelling and life affirming about the process. Mm -hmm. And if there is, hold on to that part for dear life because uh -huh. the rest may or may not come. But I, I think one of the thing, one of the most interesting things we could strive to be as artists, uh, one is to be original. Very hard, very hard to do. And uh, and two, I remember Nina Simone used to talk about how she felt that real artists should reflect the time they they existed and worked in. And I, I like that idea too. So yeah, I would encourage any young up and coming artist to um, keep your heart and mind really dedicated to, um, to whatever it is, you know, the keeping the right things around you that keep you inspired in the right ways and, uh, uh -huh. you know, yeah, because it's such a great uh, relationship to have, you know, yeah. I, I've, I've got through this, you know, pandemic year um, much more peacefully than a lot of people I know, only because uh -huh. I can write poems and do collages and, you know, yeah, and just let the world go quiet for a minute. And it's yeah. Mm -hmm. So if, if you have that kind of thing, you're you're already lucky. Yeah, for sure. One more question. So I know you like that you say that you don't like to ask for a, you don't like to ask too much of uh, your music and your art because it's already done so much for you. But uh, one thing I'd like to know is if there's someone or something, if there's someone that you'd really like to meet or play with or something that you'd really like to do or a place you'd really like to play. Yeah, you know, I've played you know, I haven't been to Europe yet. I want to do that. I want to, I want to play in Europe. And, um, um, but I've played from prisons to churches to honky tonks. Um, I've, I've played a lot of venues and I think you're probably like this too, but when there are people I want to meet, I go meet them. I, I've struck up friendships uh, like in Winnipeg, for instance, uh, the filmmaker I mentioned, Guy Madden, very celebrated, very original kind of filmmaker I wanted to get to know him so I just I reached out and there's a really great Canadian songwriter that lives here named John K Sampson mm -hmm. same thing I thought oh my goodness I heard this guy's songs and uh he's kind of a more in the punk rock background than me but his lyric writing was unbelievable and so I just I reached out and um yeah I, I find most of the time that works you know if, if you if you if you have the right intention, you know, mm -hmm. yeah. I certainly don't reach out and ask for anything, but um, it's neat just to get to know people that do what you do. Yeah. No. Yeah. Talk shop, as they say. Yeah. One of my really big goals uh, is always to meet Willie Nelson. Oh, yeah. See, me too. Yeah. That would always, uh, when I ask people uh, who they want to meet, usually, their answer is Willie Nelson because it's just he's 
he might be yeah. the best of the best. There's so much talent in, yeah. in all the years that he's played. And, uh, yeah, like, that was his Carl's answer. I, uh, I love, like, ev absolutely everything about Willie. Yeah. Uh, like his, his Django Reinhardt-inspired. Like, I, I love the way he sings a line and then plays a lyrical line on the guitar. And uh, yeah. I just everything about him, yeah. Yeah, uh, I'll I'll throw down uh, and say Willie Nelson too, and I know Mickey Raphael, uh -huh. uh, and and we've done gigs together, and I really adored Mickey, and uh, yeah, you're right, uh, uh, and I would think that for you, I bet if you set your mind to it, it's not going to be hard for you to meet Willie Nelson. <laughs> I would think that he'd enjoy meeting you. I got so close to getting to meet him before the <laughs> pandemic hit. Well, yeah. there's still time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he he's he's a special one. Yeah. My dad, uh, my father has never called me Scott. I've never heard him call me Scott. He's always called me Willie. And uh, when I first started my career, I had longer hair and uh, red hair and a beard. And I didn't think, I thought, Willie Nolan, I, I'm not, not going to get away with it. <laughs> but that was my instinct was to call myself Willie Nolan because it's what I was comfortable with. But, yeah. but I thought, oh, you know, it's going to sound like Willie Nelson. Yeah. <laughs> and there can only be one Willie. Yeah. I would just like to say thank you so much for uh, doing this interview with me and uh, certainly for doing it again. Hey, my great pleasure. These things happen. Yeah, and uh, I had such a great time uh, getting to talk with you again. And uh, you're such an awesome person in general and just an, so talented in everything you do. Again, everybody, this is Jack Barksdale's Survival. This is Scott Mullen. Thank you so much for listening and I hope to see you soon.